Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. The relentless race for the title continues with all of the top three chalking up victories, but the battle for fourth between Arsenal and Everton has taken a new twist. I think we had to be perfect in every aspect of the game. I thought we were compact. I thought it was a, a monumental effort and we need to make sure that we get ready for next Saturday that, as you can imagine, is another big final in our final third of the season. Six wins on the spin for Everton, but it's now nine in a row for Liverpool. But is it winner-takes-all against City? If you said to me, now beat Manchester City and you get the Premier League title, I think the answer to your question would be yes, but all it'll give us is three more points, and that's what we plan to do, but there'll be four huge games after that to go. And we still have no idea who'll avoid the drop after Fulham give themselves a fighting chance. We saw the way everyone celebrated together, the fans and everyone. It means so much to the club. We're down there and we need to get out of it and we're more than confident we can do it. Everton's most successful captain, Kevin Ratcliffe, joins us as the Toffees threaten to wreck Arsenal's top four hopes. We speak exclusively to West Brom defender Gareth McCauley as the Baggies give themselves a real chance of survival. Former Norwich City star Efren Okoku gives us the inside track on Chris Hutton leaving the club with just five games left. Plus, Gary Monk explains how Brendan Rodgers and Roberto Martinez have transformed his football philosophy. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Dave Farah and joining me to look back on another pivotal weekend of top flight action is the former Norwich striker Effen Okoku. Good to have uh, Effen with us. And first things first, congratulations to Leicester City who became the first team to confirm promotion to the Barclays Premier League for next season. But Effen, the major development of the weekend concerned your old club Norwich who parted company with manager Chris Hutton. Are you surprised by the exit and indeed the timing? I am surprised, very surprised. I'm almost shocked at this stage of my life watching so much football. You know, you wouldn't think that you know, many things would shock you, but certainly that did with only five games ago when his neck's been on the line, if you like, all season. They've panicked, I think, you know, looking at the last four fixtures, uh, assuming that they won't get anything. I think they'll get something. It might just be a point. And you know what? The strange thing is that, you know, they may not even need one more point. Fulham could lose all their matches and Norwich will be safe. There's a five-point gap right now. So I feel a little bit for Chris Hughes. And I certainly hope that Norwich City stay up. And Neil Adams, a former teammate of mine, you know, I hope he does well enough and gets the points required. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about Norwich uh, a little bit later on in the show. But all season on the show, we've been keeping an eye out for the standout moments of sportsmanship in the game as part of our hashtag YouFootball campaign. Uh, anything caught your eye this week, Ev? Yeah, a couple of things, actually. I think uh, Rodriguez at um, City Manchester Stadium being applauded off, you know, after you know he's suffered a horrible injury. That's uh, scuppered his chances of going to the World Cup, uh, which is a shame for him. It's nice to see the City fans, you know, showing their sportsmanship and employing him off the field. But Lukaku, Romelu Lukaku scoring a goal for Everton against Arsenal and showing lots of bonhomie with his manager. But Martinez did well to stand up. He did, didn't he? Yeah, he's a big guy, Romelu Lukaku. So, you know, that's nice. It's nice to see the relationship that's been fostered between the new manager and the player that he's only got on loan right now. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Running jump and Martinez somehow managed to catch him in his arms. We'll start off at Goodison Park and a match build as a potential Champions League decider. Fifth-placed Everton hosting fourth-placed Arsenal. And it went the way of the Merseysiders and how resounding 3-0 winners. Uh, they're now one point behind Arsenal with a game in hand. And what a performance, Evan. They got absolutely thumped Arsenal, didn't they? You know, their season is derailing once again, you know, uh, February stroke March, you know, when they start to show uh, signs of frailty. And Everton in great form. Six successive wins, is it, I think? Um, you know, so... Uh, Martinez has done a fantastic job and Arsene Wenger yet again answering more questions as to whether he can really lead Arsenal uh, to the title again or whether they can actually win a trophy of course in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Everton are right there and you'd have to say they are favourites right now to pit them for that fourth spot. Well let's hear from one of Everton's star men once again at the weekend the scorer of the first goal Stephen Naismith. We played very well we didn't let them set on get a lot of possession it was going to be a kind of match who get the better of the possession I thought we'd done that um, 
starting all the way from the back. And James and Gaz centre mid dictated play quite a lot, and we created many chances, so it worked well. It mean everything, but we believe from the start of the season, and, and it just shows in these performances. So um, we just need to go and concentrate on it next week, and, and hopefully take the points then. Well, that was Stephen Naismith, and if he can bring half as much success to Everton as our next guest, then Martinez will be a very happy man. The former Toffees captain Kevin Radcliffe won the league twice, the FA Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup, as well as earning 59 Welsh caps too. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you. Now, usually, Everton struggle against Arsenal, don't they? But what did you make of that display? I mean, it felt like the Martinez effect in full swing, if you like. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what uh, Stephen Naismith said was it was quite right. You know, they got amongst them and really didn't allow them to play. And, and they set the tempo to the game, really, and it suited Everton. They just couldn't get in the stride. Arsenal, Everton passed it. But, you know, it's, it's all right having to pass the ball, but they did the hard work as well by retaining it as well and regaining possession back as quickly as possible. I think as soon as they lost it, they were they were hunting impacts and uh, the result really was, was because of that. You know, they were far quicker in thinking and passing in everything they did on the day. And he has managed to foster an incredible team spirit too, hasn't he, Martinez? Uh, we were just talking about the Lukaku celebration with Martinez on the touchline. You know, how has he managed to do that so quickly? I mean, there was already a good spirit there, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure about that celebration. I think it was actually because he actually played Lukaku a bit wider. You know, maybe Lukaku weren't quite sure about playing in that position and you know, Roberto's played him there and he's ended up with a goal coming inside and, and unleashing a shot. And it's a thing that, you know, yeah, OK, I, I believe you now and what you're trying to tell me, you know, because he, he has sort of thrown little challenges to, to players and the players have responded. He's come in, he's given that belief, you know, and you get a good team spirit by winning. The only way you get a good team spirit is by winning games and that's what they've been doing. You know, from last year, as much changed. I would say the midfield's changed. You know, that, that's the only thing that's actually changed in my eyes is the midfield and the striker. Lukaku coming in, the three lads in midfield, two that he's brought in, McCarthy and Barry. But Barkley was already there, but most probably not given the role that he's been given under Martinez. And uh, they've excelled. The rest of the players are the same, but they seem to have taken on board what Roberto wants. And, you know, they're, they're repaying him with that, with that faith. And they do look an outfit now. They look, uh, they look as if they can challenge for the top four place. Kevin, um, Efan Okoko here. Do you think going forward, obviously, I don't want to sort of rain on your parade a little bit, do you think the lack of finances that are available at Goodison Park is going to hamper you in order to really sort of compete with the top three and four? I know you're almost level pegging with Arsenal right now. So is that a little bit of a concern that Bill Kenwright is not going to be able to get the funds in place to yeah. really make you challenge? Well, it, it all depends what where you finish this year. If you finish uh, in fourth place, then maybe not. You know, there might be a little bit of extra funds. But like always, I think we're governed by what loan signings we bring in. Delafoe and Gareth Barry coming in for the two that have been really catching the eye of everybody, uh, especially Gareth Barry. It's a great signing. Uh, if we can get him on a full-term contract, that might be you know great. But I'm sure it's alerted other clubs as well uh, that might be able to pay a little bit more and it's it's one of them with Roberto. Next year, I think it's still going to be governed by what he brings in on the loan signing wise, as well as you know the signings that he makes full time. But uh, the restraints on him are, are going to be the same. But the one thing you don't hear from Roberto is that he's not moaning about it. And he did tell the chairman Bill Kenwright, didn't he, when he first came to the club, he'd get them into the Champions League. Did you believe him when you heard that quote, Kevin, <laughs> way back at the start of the season? No, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We've got some difficult games. We've got City and we've got Man United at home. So. You know they're two big games. It'll be interesting if we uh, if we've got Manchester City and we beat them and Liverpool can win the title. So uh, <laughs> not too sure which way that's going to go or which way you want it to go. Um, but then again, you know if you want to finish in fourth, you've got to win your games. And I think they've only lost two at home this year uh, in the last year. So uh, 
they're making good to the fortress again and they're going away with confidence and like you've seen against Newcastle you know they, they look at an outfit now and they've got confidence they're going out there to win games and not to get beat which is which is really important now, my favourite moment of the weekend just gone was definitely hearing it's a grand old team to play for being sung to the rafters after the Everton Arsenal game. I'm sure you enjoyed that as well. How big a part will those fans play in the running, particularly at Goodison? It, it's such a special place. It is, and they they don't realise how, how big a part they do play. I mean, uh, after the results against Liverpool when they lost the derby in midweek, the Saturday game was, it was a poor atmosphere, uh, which was you know understandable. Yeah, Everson towards the end of the game uh, stepped it up. They went chasing and they got an equaliser and the place just went wild. You know, and that and then that, the crowd then got them the winner at the end just as much as the players did. So they've got to realise that, you know, they're just as important as the Olympics out there or the other three that come on as well. You know, it's so important because they, you know, I've played in, you know, atmospheres there where you know you can't lose because of the atmosphere, because of the supporters there behind you. You know, it's going to be an interesting end of the season this year, which is which is great because usually for Evertonians, the season's really just sort of mulling away this time of year, and you're just trying to finish as high as possible. And just finally, Kevin, how much does it mean to you personally all of this success for Everton? I mean, you're such an iconic figure at the club, the captain of that that great team that, if you're my age, we could all recite. You know, Mountfield and Bracewell and Sheedy and Reed and so on and so on and so on. It, does it matter a lot to you personally just to see Everton back to this level? No, I think that's what we all want. Um, but you've got to realise that Everton are successful. We get more work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's great. But you'd like them to get where we were. You know, the hardest thing for them now is going to be next season. For what they've achieved this year, uh, next season's going to be even more difficult. You know, it's a bit like Liverpool. I think, you know, Everton and Liverpool this year have most probably overachieved. And Scousers, you know, are in a buoyant, joyant mood um, and wanting better things. You know, if we finish fourth, they want us to finish top the following year. If Liverpool finish in the top two, they want them to win it and the Champions League. So that's the way that, you know, Scousers are. And unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't happen. Hopefully, there's not an after effect. But I can't see that under Roberto. You know, the, what he's bringing in, uh, the young lad Stones that he's brought in has been a good signing. Looks if he can go on and maybe play for England. You know, Roberto seems to have an eye. He's got certain ideas as well. I do believe that he's taken Leighton Baines to Man United to watch Lamb of Bayern Munich playing in midfield. And, sees that he can do that job as well. You know, obviously he sees him every day in training. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I can't see that myself because if they're going to play uh, Leighton Baines in midfield, who they're going to be playing at left back because he's been a hell of a left back for us. You know, not only does he score goals, he creates goals, but maybe he thinks he can create more goals from midfield. So it'd be interesting what ideas Roberto's got for the forthcoming seasons. Great stuff, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. A real pleasure to uh, talk to you and uh, fingers crossed for Everton for the rest of the season. Cheers now, lads. Brilliant. That was uh, Kevin Ratcliffe, absolute legend, uh, up on Merseyside. Now, as for Arsenal, it was their fourth league match without a win. And manager Arsene Wenger feels the defeat could be costly in their pursuit of Champions League football next season. The fight is uh, very open and it's not even uh, depending only on us. It's depending on uh, Everton is in a strong position. The advantage we have, we have con- been confronted with that before. And it's down to how we respond to such a disappointing performance. But, uh, we have still a program that is feasible, but uh, we have first, I think, a focus on quality of our performances before we dream of places. Let's get back to.
played better than that. Well, Arsenal have lost all of their Barclays Premier League away games against the current top five this season. They haven't just lost them, but they've lost them by at least three goals. Everton were good effort, but they were awful, Arsenal, weren't they? They were very poor physically. You know, they were out-muscled and they have been in all those big games. And as you said, you know, the goals against Colum, um, against the you know title rivals, Champions League spot rivals, if you like, is pretty awful. And Arsene Wenger needs to address that unless he can do that. You know, the title it will be beyond them uh, yet again next season. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as he stays in charge. A lot of people have picked up on a sort of air of resignation about yeah. him. Yeah, possibly. As far as we know, he's not signed his new contract, so maybe he's contemplating things a little bit more. Maybe the border. I saw a banner at the weekend. Arsenal fans saying, Arsenal, thanks for the memories, but it's time to move on. And really, if you are forward thinking about your football club and uh, results are all important on the field, of course, you know, the people who control the football club are concerned about results. And then you have to look at who is the next best man, you know, to take us forward. Everybody says who, and they would have to be ready for it. And maybe one or two, like Pochettino and uh, Martinez, who we were just talking about Everton, are not quite ready for that Arsenal challenge right now. Uh, but the, the fans are disgruntled and quite Quite rightly so. Ten points behind Liverpool. League is way beyond them. Um, to be honest, I thought it was beyond them about three, four games ago. A plus point, though. Good to see Aaron Ramsey back from injury, at least. Yeah, since Boxing Day, he's been out, so nice he's back. Take a little bit of pressure off some of the people who've been playing every week and not getting the goals, but they'll need more than Ramsey. You know, Arsenal would have to have everybody fit and firing for them to even hang on to the coattails of Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool right now. But they have got a nice run in. West Ham at home, Holloway, Newcastle home, West Brom at home and Norwich away. So we'll see if they can finish the season strongly. To East London next, where Liverpool return to the top of the table after they made it an incredible nine league wins in a row, edging past a resilient West Ham side 2-1. The game, I think it's fair to say, had its fair share of controversy, didn't it, Evan, with the, the, the second two goals, the 1-1 and the 2-1. Yeah, referee and his assistants didn't cover themselves in glory. I think overall, that Liverpool with a better side deserve the win. Of course, West Ham at home would be disappointed that they didn't get anything out of the game, but nine wins on the bounce is, is a fantastic achievement. Any, anything more than four or five, you know, to keep going mentally, to believe that you can do it and keep reproducing it, especially now when the pressure's on. A little bit easier for Liverpool in a way because nobody expects them to be where they were as Kevin Ratcliffe was saying earlier with the likes of Everton Liverpool um, are in that position but the closer you get to the finishing line these players have not been in that position before the harder it will get so Sunday's game against Man City uh, huge is an understatement the only thing you could say is that it felt at least as if the incidents cancelled each other out and the yeah, right result was, yeah. was got to in the end Steven Gerrard the match winner once again with both goals from the penalty spot that takes his Liverpool goal tarried to 173 he's now 6th in the club's all time scoring list one ahead of Kenny Dalglish and that's a sign of uh, the impact Gerrard's had on that club and continues to whatever role he's playing in yeah massive impact um, he's scored 10 penalties so far this season one away from the record in one campaign so he's in good form he's not quite this swashbuckling player he has been in the last five or six years but that's understandable um, when you are in your 30s but still a huge influence and he didn't get yellow carded so he's available for the Man City game um, so his influence for Liverpool between now and the end of campaign will be huge because he's uh, one of the few players who's actually gone quite close to winning the title a few years back when they finished four points behind Man United it's crunch time and uh, the players will have to stand up and freshness I think has been important for Liverpool if not too many midweek matches no um, European commitments and that's helped them yeah that continues to be the case as well let's hear from the Reds manager now Brendan Rodgers who was proud of his team's display on Sunday I thought we thoroughly deserved the win and uh, as I said we showed great character today so um, brilliant win for us and keeps our run going it's nine games on on the spin now, which is incredible effort by the players and, and the staff. And now we'll recover, reflect on the game. And there's going to be a magnificent atmosphere next week at, uh, at Anfield. As I said, supporters again really urged us on today. And um, again, see if we can get 10 in a row. I can't wait to see that atmosphere after what they did a couple of weeks ago in terms yeah. of building up the pressure at Anfield. They're five wins away from their first top flight title for 24 years. And that game next week looks so key now. 
It is. If there's a winner, though, I still don't believe it will be definitive. Uh, Liverpool would open up a big gap over Man City, um, and depending on what Chelsea do, of course. You still have to win those final few games. No one's going to give it to you. We've seen uh, Liverpool will play teams who are fighting for their lives at the bottom. Man City the same as well. They've still got to go to Goodison Park, I believe. So some big fixtures coming up, irrespective of what happens. Chelsea will be open for a draw. From a Man City point of view, if you go to Anfield and you win, and then you can hold on and get the points required, and then you'll be deserving of the title. Whichever way you manage to win it, goal difference, goal scored or whatever, as Man City did a couple of years ago and then you deserve a championship it's over 38 games you know there's no luck involved I'm looking forward to a fantastic match and yeah I hope there's good football played I'm sure there will be two of the best football insides you can see this season will be on display Well as for West Ham despite the defeat manager Sam Allardyce was pleased with the effort of his players As a performance gave all we could give and uh, and tried uh, tried our very best to um, upset uh, Liverpool's winning streak uh, tried our very best for them not to have got the ninth win on the trot and unfortunately for us they've won the game on two penalties rather than their attractive football that they normally play and create so uh, the players have to take a lot of credit for that but we are disappointed that we haven't got anything out of the game 11th, 37 points, they're pretty much safe, aren't they? One more point, one more win should do it. Does that constitute success? I think they'll be relatively happy for West Ham and mid-table considering, you know, it's not too long ago that they were in a championship. Uh, moving to a new stadium, Olympic Stadium in a couple of seasons' time. So I think all in all, you know, the, the board and uh, Sam Allardyce will be happy and the players will be pretty content with where they are. The fans, of course, won't be. But, you know, I think mid-table for West Ham is a good result. Well, coming up, we'll be speaking to West Brom's Gareth McCauley and finding out what inspired Swansea's Gary Monk to become a manager. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Dave Farrer. To the Etihad next, where on Saturday lunchtime, Manchester City kept their title challenge very much alive with a slightly flattering 4-1 victory over Southampton. City weren't at their fluent best, particularly in the first half, but manager Manuel Pellegrini felt the result was the all-important thing on Saturday. This part of the season to win 4-1 against an important team at Southampton. That's much more important. You make during the games some minutes or half that maybe you didn't play well. But I repeat, we defend very well. We play the last uh, five games. Uh, we have a four win and a one draw. So it's important in the way we are playing in the last month. We had maybe a low performance in the month of February and the beginning of March. But I think that now the, the team uh, came back from his best performance. Was City a bit fortunate there, Effen? Did you think they got a bit lucky with that second goal, which I know 4-1 was uh, you know was, it? yeah it was flattering but, yeah. but the second goal was the key one really that put them 2-1 up and they were very fortunate yeah it was just took a little bit of the uh, stuffing out of the Southampton who were playing really well talked about Man City and Liverpool being two of the more exciting sides to watch I'll put Southampton pretty close you know really fluid with lots of English players that's nice to see as you said City were fortunate uh, but as the manager said Manuel Pellegrini at this stage of the season who cares they're third they need the wins however get them scruffily and that's a sign of top class players in a team you know that when things are not going well for them there's that belief to stick in and hopefully will, things will go their way out home they've been pretty unstoppable only Chelsea have gone there and come away with any real success and for Southampton unfortunately the defeat came at a cost didn't it with 17 goal mm. striker Jay Rodriguez uh, rupturing his anterior cruciate ligament in the first half he's out of the World Cup and he had a real chance of going he's out for at least six months it's a huge blow for the Saints and for him as well yeah massive I would have taken him I think he's been the best English forward this season um, so yeah really disappointed as I said nice to see the fans applaud him off the field but Southampton are a good good side I think they can be really proud of what they've achieved a few more points of course, they'll be hoping to overtake Man United, but I think uh, that's probably going to be on them. But finishing eighth, 
or ninth uh, is a great achievement. And of course, Ricky Lambert with the equaliser from the spot, the penalty king, the new Letizia. Yeah. 31, 31 out of 31, yeah. yeah. Might be handy in the World Cup. <laughs> Might be. If he goes, of course, and he's got, I suppose he's got a chance, you know, the misfortune that's befallen his teammate might be uh, his advantage. Yeah, the, I suppose the former Andy Carroll would be a, a slight worry yeah. for Ricky Lambert as well, but we'll see in terms of that uh, World Cup. Now, a little later on Saturday, Chelsea returned to the top of the table, albeit briefly, with a comfortable 3-0 victory over Stoke at Stamford Bridge. Manager Jose Mourinho said it was crucial for his side to bounce back from the disappointment of the Palace and Paris Saint-Germain games the previous week. I think they played well. Normally, after defeats, you, you don't start very confident, but the team went in that direction all the time. So we finished the first half uh, winning 1-0, but should be 2-3-0 because we really played really well in the last 20-25 minutes of the first half. It's a good victory, is what we have to do. Uh, till the end of the season. Now we have five matches to play in the Premier League. We have to try to win all five, but think match after match, don't think about the five at the same time, and try to win match after match, and in the end of the of the season, see how many points we have and what's, which one is our position. And Effin, a quick word about a player that we don't always talk about, but I know you like him. Mohamed Salah, on his first league start, two assists and a goal. Yeah, played well. Hazard was left on the bench, so he's shown what's, uh, what he's capable of. Of course, it helps a little bit uh, when you're playing with great players, doesn't he? But Chelsea would be pleased that they bounced back, as Jose Mourinho said. They were a little bit uh, nervy in the opening 15 or 20 minutes. They're making sure that they're hot on the tails of Liverpool. Um, and Frank Lampard with 250 goals, and that's... Uh, that's a massive achievement for him, so really pleased that he's reached that landmark. Yeah, it's a lovely moment for him. What about Chelsea in the title race then? They've been written off by a lot of people. They're third favourites, but they're two points behind Liverpool. Only they still have to play them at Anfield in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Surely they're in it, aren't they? Everybody thinks they're in it, apart from Jose Mourinho. No, he's the only one who thinks his, apparently his players have lost the plot, not good enough. Defensively, Shambhala, he hasn't got a striker. Complaining about everything to everyone. Nobody's writing Chelsea off as far as I'm concerned. Going to Anfield and getting something, as I said, with Man City, if they go there and win, and then they'll be in... Uh, could be in pole position depending on what City do with their game in hand next week. It's a three-horse race. And always think in the last couple of games it ends up being a two-horse race. I wonder which one of the three just may falter. Yeah, who will uh, drop out? Uh, Stoke's first defeat, by the way, in six matches. They're 10th and that just highlights what a good job Mark Hughes has done. Not yeah. everyone was convinced by his appointment, but he's done well. No, struggled at the beginning and all of a sudden Stoke are getting plaudits for some of the football they're playing and nobody would have said that under Tony Pulis. Uh, he got results, of course, um, you know, and that's what it's all about. But yeah, Stoke are playing some, some nice stuff and... I'm sure between now and the next season, we'll see just exactly how he wants his players to perform. And uh, so far, the, the last five or six games, it's been good for them. Now, Monday night, Spurs came from behind to emphatically see off bottom of the table Sunderland 5-1 to move back up to sixth place. It was a strange old day on Monday. The build-up to the match was full of speculation about Tim Sherwood's future at the club. But after the game, the Spurs manager only wanted to talk about on-field matters. I'd rather talk about a game. I mean, my future, I can't comment on anything about my employment, to be honest. You have to ask my employees about that. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I set the team out well tonight and you just got to get on with it you know all I was focused on is just winning the game tonight and preparing the boys correctly it's been an opportunity to manage this great club and, and um, I'm relishing it and my, my record's been very good you know in the Premier League I think it's second to none you know in the Premier League any manager who's been here I think my win percentage is higher than any of them well we'll do what he wants first let's talk about on-field matters yeah. and we'll talk about off-field matters in a second but firstly on the pitch it was very impressive actually they went a goal down it was a shabby goal to give away and then really good reaction Adebayor, Ericsson, Harry Kane all very impressive. Yeah, they dominated. You know, the table doesn't lie. Tottenham are six and uh, Sunderland are 20th. 
you know, with only 25 points. I know they've got a few games in hand, but I don't see them getting out of trouble. Tottenham are far superior side, yet again, a little bit nervy at the beginning, but they showed, you know, the, the golfing class, and uh, it's not an easy club to manage because they expect to be with Arsenal and Liverpool's and Chelsea, etc. He's talking himself up, isn't he? Tim Sherwood saying, you know, his win percentage is high, etc., etc. That's not going to get him the job as far as I'm concerned. I think they'll be looking for somebody well-established. Yeah, well, they're five points behind Arsenal in fourth. Last five games, West Brom away, Fulham home, Stoke away, West Ham away, Villa at home. So, but, you know, potentially winnable. Let's say that's yeah. still doable for mm. them. But, you know, if you believe the football grapevine... That it's an open secret that Louis van Gaal, uh, once he's given up the Dutch national side, is yeah. going to be the new Tottenham manager. That's what everyone's saying, isn't it? And that would fit the bill of what you've just said. Tottenham need to have a lot of patience, not a little bit, a lot of patience. And if they can have that and give somebody with the experience of Van Gaal, used to dealing with uh, big and important players, bigger than Tottenham have had in uh, for a long, long time, at bigger football clubs as well. He's been to Barcelona, to Bayern Munich, so nothing that anybody at Tottenham could throw at him, I don't think, will phase him. You know, he's very confident in his own ability to manage people and to manage, you know, the players that manage the football club. And then there's a chance. But if Daniel Levy and the people around him, whoever's advising him, are quick, uh, quick to fire people, hire and fire and throwing too much money at, at the situation, and then you know Tottenham will be where they are right now in another 18 months, two years' time. Louis van Gaal's forthright enough to manage in the Barclays Premier League, yeah, I can I tell you so. that. Having been thrown out of the Barcelona training ground as a cub reporter by him quite aggressively, I can uh, certainly vouch for that. Now, as for Sunderland, it was their sixth defeat in their last seven, and they remain bottom. Seven points adrift of safety. Manager Gus Poyet knows now it's going to be difficult to avoid the drop. Well, it's very hard to take. I can tell you that. It's not nice. I imagine how hard it is for the fans that they're travelling. I imagine how hard it is for everybody, but uh, there is no place to hide. I'm responsible because I'm in charge and I will accept uh, full responsibilities. I came here in 1997 and the first thing that probably Dennis Wise or John Terry or the people who was at Chelsea told me was, if you're playing, why stop the cross? It's a sentence in football, no? Well, we didn't. We need a miracle probably. We need something very unique. If not, uh, it's going to be practically impossible. Well, in terms of their remaining matches, they include Everton at home, but City away, Chelsea away, Manchester United away. Um, you've got to feel they're done, haven't you? They've, they've had it. Yes, I do. As I said, 25 points, bottom of the table. There's a seven-point gap between themselves and Norwich. I don't see them winning three, four games after their last seven. Now, they got off to a horrible start. He wasn't in charge, but as he said, you know, he's been big enough to say, you know, I'm in charge, I'm going to take the blame. And I think the bottom two are absolute certainties and Fulham give themselves a real lifeline if they beat Norwich, but Sunderland for me are down already. OK. Okay, well, coming up, we speak to West Brom's Gareth McCauley after his team's win over Norwich. Spelled the end for manager Chris Hewton. There's been a great focus on management this week, though. Brendan Rodgers and Roberto Martinez doing so well on Merseyside. Plus, of course, uh, Chris Hewton's parting company with Norwich. And one of the top flight's newest managers is Gary Monk, who took over from Michael Laudrup at Swansea City in February. Barclays reporter Lee Warner has been speaking to the former Swans captain about making the jump from player to manager. Now I'm the one that selects the teams. I'm that one that's going to have to deal with the ones that are disappointed. Whereas before, as a captain and a senior player, you'd try and reason with the player that was coming back into the changing room of why he's not been selected and try and give him an idea of why not and you know appease him basically whereas mm. now it's on me but I accept that and I guess I've been doing it you know I guess when I think about it I've been managing players on the pitch for years you know I've always had to organise them if I see something that's going wrong I'll, I'll tell them and try and affect it that way and so I guess in that, that sense I've been managing for a long time now but now it's clear cut where mm. the player I'm, I have to prepare training and along with my other coaches and stuff like I prepare training what we're going to do for the week and then the next week analyse the oppositions and all this sort of stuff. So time-consuming-wise, it's a whole different ballgame. Of course. And, and Brendan Rodgers you know, said he thought you would be a good manager. He came out in the press and said that quite early on. What, what sort of lessons did you learn from him when he was managing you? The biggest one for me was honesty. 
Mm. You know, as good as look, your coaching and your tactics and everything has to be good. Mm. Otherwise, players won't buy into it. But the, the biggest part for me is you have to be honest with players. I respected being dealt with honestly. I didn't always agree with what a manager said to me, but I respected the fact that he had been honest and he'd give his honest opinion to me. Yeah. So I promised myself if I ever did coaching or management mm. that I would give my honest opinion whether that player agreed with it or not, but I'd give it to him. Mm. So at least then he'd walk out of that room and respect the fact that I told him the truth, you know. And, and Roberto Martinez as well, he took a very similar path to you. He went straight into management from a playing for Swansea. You know, what, what sort of atmosphere did he create in the dressing room and behind the scenes? You know, he was very close to us because we were teammates with him. You know, and obviously he had a, a year gap from here where he went to Chester mm. and then come back. But we were all still very close and we all knew him as Roberto the player, you know. So I think in that transition period, it's pretty much what I'm going through now, I would have thought. But um, he brought the philosophy to us, really, of the training philosophy in terms of the football and stuff like that, which was really good and everyone was ready for it. He was lucky where he had players, a nucleus of players here that were ready to do that and, and were able to play that way, you know. So mm. if you'd gone into a different club, and try to change it all out. You see other teams trying to do it, and they can't because they just haven't got the fundamentals there to do it, and they're not given the time to do it. You know, so I think he was lucky in that sense. He recognised, and also cleverness from him that he recognised he had players here that could do it, which put him on a great starting point. And also, he had the respect of the players because we had played with him. You know, yeah. Was there any like kind of one lesson you felt you took from him? Anything you would say? You know, if you in a year's time, you'd like to thank him for for kind of taking it from his regime. Not just him, but with Graham Jones, his assistant, with the way they worked with each other was. It was just a work ethic that what they do is that they demanded excellence, you know, especially Graham Jones as well. It was like a good, good cop, bad cop sort of thing, you know, but it worked so well where you were just never allowed to make mistakes or you were allowed to make mistakes, but you weren't ever let up on it. You had to improve. You had to, it wasn't acceptable. It wasn't acceptable. It wasn't acceptable, you know, and it, I think that just in a clever way, you no, know, not in an aggressive, stupid way. It was in a way where, oh, come on now, I need to get better. I can't make them. I don't make yeah. the same mistake. I don't, you know, and I think as players, we progress that way, you know, so it's probably something I'll take from them. Well, he's learnt from Rodgers and Martinez, so uh, it's not a bad starting point, is it? No, not at all. The big question for me is whether he can become detached from his mates, people he's been playing with for a couple of years. If he can do that, he's got a chance of having real authority around a football club. I wish him luck. Uh, still need a few more points to be safe, though. I'm here with the former Norwich City striker, FN Okoku, as we continue our look back at all the talking points from the weekend's matches in the Barclays Premier League, and we focus on FN's former club next, Norwich, beaten 1-0 at home by relegation rivals West Brom in what turned out to be manager Chris Hutton's last game in charge. The Canaries have appointed the youth team coach, Neil Adams, as temporary manager until the end of the season. We've already sort of established... Uh, your comments on Chris Hutton sacking but what about the appointment of Neil Adams? Well it's a huge gamble a guy who's never coached that first team level before it's surprising really you know that you you sack a guy who's got quite a lot of experience put somebody in a much more delicate time you know, to try and rescue the club with a few games to go. It just doesn't make sense at all. They've been doubts all season. And why not sack him then and put Neil Adams in charge and or bring somebody in, you know, with 12 games to go and give him a real opportunity to maybe shake things up. But I really do uh, wish Neil all the best. Um, and hopefully I'll get enough points to keep my former team up. Yeah, I know you played with him, didn't you, briefly yeah. in the in the mid-90s. They're almost relying on a, on that bounce factor that you get from a new manager, and it seems to come down to one fixture. This is what's odd about it. You've mentioned the final four fixtures, which are horrendous for them, yeah. but they're almost banking everything on Fulham away. If they win that with Neil Adams, they'll be OK, but if they lose it, what's going to happen? Will they sack him? 
who knows? It's uh, a little bit uh, scattered on the approach. Um, you know, they've looked at the others and thought, you know, one or two have had a bit of a bounce. Crystal Palace have had a massive bounce, haven't they? Performance-wise and results have been good enough for them. Not sure that it's going to work at Norwich, but they may just about stay up by default. Well, we wish Neil Adams luck, your old teammate. I know you've been in touch with him. Uh, Russell Martin, by the way, Norwich's captain, said, we take responsibility for our performances, but there's no major crisis and we have full belief we can secure Barclays Premier League survival. I know at the news conference yesterday on, in which uh, Neil Adams was, uh, was, to use that word, unveiled as the new manager, it was a very, very positive thing and that's what they felt. As for West Brom, it was a crucial away win which lifted them above Norwich in the table and five points clear of the bottom three. So to tell us more about how they achieved this victory, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line now by the baggy centre-back Gareth McCauley. Thanks for joining us, Gareth. Good morning. Yeah, congratulations on that win as well. A really key moment in the season, that, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Obviously, we had the, the disappointment of conceding a last-minute goal against Cardiff, which would have been massive for us as well. But we uh, regrouped during the week, got ourselves right, got ourselves focused, and it was basically a World Cup final for us. We had to get something out of that game, going into a tough run of games now with Tottenham and Man City coming up in the next couple of weeks. Now, people like me sit there and say, oh, it's a six-pointer and all those kind of cliches. But are you aware as players of things like that? Do you go into that and say, we've got to win this one, this could change everything? Yeah, massively. I mean, we're not stupid. You know, we're looking at the table. We're looking at fixtures and, and we're saying we've got to win that game. They felt the same and it was probably down to desire and a, a grit and a determination and a real fire in the belly and, and maybe we just wanted it more on the day, which got us the result. And Morgan Amalfitano again was the match winner. He's making a habit of scoring uh, either great goals or important goals, isn't he? Yeah, he certainly is. He's um, he's an important player for us. He's playing very well. He says in form at the minute with two and two. Hopefully he can go and do that again at Tottenham game at the weekend. Now there are technophobes and technophobes, Gareth. Uh, and I understand one of your clearances in the game famously flew into the press box and, uh, and broke a laptop. Is that all sorted out now? Um, I'm just sitting here with Drew, whose laptop I broke. He's telling me he's taking me down to PC World after here to, uh, to get him a new one. So uh, we're not sorted yet, but we're still friends anyway. Give you a thousand more goes. I don't think you could hit one, could you, again? <laughs> um, Nor- Norwich parted company, of course, with Chris Hewton, as you well know, after you beat them. Um, I know that's not your club, but it does show, doesn't it, how much pressure there is on clubs to stay in the Barclays Premier League. That's seven. The bottom seven now have all changed their manager. Yeah, it's a massive pressure. I'd be lying to say that you don't feel that pressure as a, as a player. We've got responsibilities to, to everyone involved at the football club a lot of people you know behind scenes that people would never see that take care of you from day to day their jobs are at stake so as players you know we've got a massive responsibility obviously it's sad to see another manager leave his job but that seems to be sort of the trend in football at the minute things aren't going well and it's the manager that loses his job it's interesting to hear that you know you as a player and footballers care about things like that, about people's jobs at the club and aware that you're playing for, for other people as well, because that wouldn't necessarily, would you respect, be the popular image of, a, of your average footballer, would it? So it, it's interesting, I think, for fans to hear that. That's just a fact, really. That's, that's real life. We've got loads of people that, that help us as players to get onto the pitch, do loads of stuff for you. Footballers don't really have to do anything for themselves. And it's all these people behind the scenes that you want to do well for. Obviously, we aren't at the greatest of seasons so far, but we can put that right in the last few games and make sure that we um, stay in the Premier League. Now, just a quick question about Pepe Mel, your new-ish manager now, isn't he? He's been there a while, but took over from Steve Clark in January. How's he changed things? I mean, he does have this reputation, or he did before, of liking to play open, liking ball players and that kind of thing. Has he made a big difference? Obviously, it's a difficult time. We're, we're low on confidence, trying to change the style, and he's an intelligent guy, and he's realised maybe... Uh, 
that type of play wasn't perfect for the relegation scrap that we're in. And uh, along with Keith and Dino, they've got together and they've sort of come up with a new um, a new way to see us through to get us the points and then have a, a good pre-season. They're trying to change things and trying to stamp his style on, on the play. Obviously, we're trying to do it in bits and pieces, but we've got to be realistic as well to make sure that we keep the club in the Premier League first and foremost. And a word about your fans. I thought they were terrific, the away fans at the weekend. They make a big difference, don't they, to particularly at this time of the season, almost particularly when you're away from home, Gareth. Yeah, massively. Um, they followed us all season, and to be fair, even at home, you know, they've stuck with us. We were we were right on our feet towards the end of that game and, and Saturday, and, and you look up and they're still singing and they're still supporting you, and that and, uh, carries you through and, and drives you through into getting the victory. As you say, it's massively important, and they're right behind us. Hopefully, um, now going into the home game, get the stadium bouncing again, and that can carry us through to another victory as we, as we still need to get more points. And just finally, Gareth, you mentioned already, you touched on it earlier in the interview, your fixtures to come. Uh, they are difficult, which is what made the Norwich game so important. Have you got a points target in mind, the players? Two more wins or something like that? Or is it just a case of each game as it comes, try and do your best? I think at this stage, it's each game as it comes. Obviously, at the start of the season, you know, we had points in mind. Since I've been here, we've always wanted to do better than the season before. Unfortunately, um, we're not going to do that this year, but it's important that we do something positive. We keep playing, we keep getting points on the board. Obviously, it'll be nice to finish the season on a high. At the minute, we're in a little bit of form. We've won two, drawn one, lost one in the last four. It's a good time to find a bit of form and, and hopefully get confidence back and get belief back and see this job through some tough fixtures. Gary, thank you so much for your time, and we wish you uh, all the luck in the world as well. No problem. And watch out for the laptops too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah, West Brom 16th in the table, five points clear of that uh, drop zone. It was a big win for them. One thing that Gareth said that I mentioned to him in the interview that really struck me was how the players feel they're playing for everyone at the club, F, and the tea lady, everyone in management, because they know it would affect all of them if they're relegated, not just the players. Kind of a nice spirit, that, about the place. Yeah, that's nice to hear. The financial impact has always felt more greatly by smaller to medium-sized clubs. West Brom are one of those. And I'm, I'm pleased for Pepe Mel, because it's never easy for a foreign manager to come into the Barclays Premier League. Yeah, another relegation rival who secured a priceless away victory at the weekend with Fulham, who beat Aston Villa 2-1 thanks to a Hugo Rodriguez header four minutes from time. And it might not be enough, but how important could that goal prove to be in, in the fight for survival? It might just give them a little bit of momentum, Effin. Well, it's certainly given them hope for Rodriguez's first goal of the season. It's come uh, somewhat belatedly, but that, that was a big win for them. It keeps Aston Villa sorts of in the mix and uh, just gives Felix Magat and, and the players you know, just that little bit of belief, especially going into the weekend's game against Norwich, that if we win and then it's almost in our hands because Norwich are in free fall right now. Yeah, Fulham were the last team to avoid relegation from the Barclays Premier League after having 24 points from 32 games. It might just be the great escape part two. Uh, we can hear from the scorer at Fulham's opener on Saturday, Kieran Richardson. Massive win for us, you know. So Hugo getting the winner and he saw the way everyone celebrated together, the fans and everyone. It means so much to the club. You know, we, need, we needed the win and we got it. We've won two games in our last three, you know, we've got good form. And hopefully we're at home, you know, hopefully the fans get behind us like they always do and we can beat Norwich. We're down there and we need to get out of it and we're more than confident we can do it. Terrific strike from uh, Richardson and the Fulham fans were great at Villa Park. The player tweets would tell you that. Steve Sidwell said the support today from the Fulham faithful was absolutely unreal. You got that result for us today. Awesome from every one of you. Thank you. Corley Woodrow said, what a win. Fulham fans were absolutely unreal all game. And David Stockdale said, what support that was from you. FFC fans pulled us through that. Absolutely awesome credit to you guys. Last five matches for Fulham. Norwich at home, as we said. What a game that is. Spurs away, Hull at home, Stoke away, Palace at home. Can they do it? I mean, 
mean, what's your target from those five, F? And I know that, you know, you try and win all five, but three wins might do it. What do you think? Uh, probably, but they're not going to get it, I don't believe. <laughs> you know, you just want to get one more. You want to you bridge that gap. So five points between them and Norwich and West Brom right now. I really think it's, uh, it's beyond them. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, it was Villa's third defeat in a row, and it mm. keeps them, interestingly, on 34 points. They're seven points above the bottom three, and I, I guess they're not quite safe, are they? If, for example, Fulham do go on a run, Villa would be in peril. They would be, but I think their away form, actually, strangely, is, is the one that will keep them up because they're a good counter-attacking side. I think they've done remarkably well considering how close they were to being relegated last season. Paul Lambert has been able to get just that little bit more out of quite an inexperienced squad, not brought in any real experience. The only one Grant holds on loan uh, until the end of the season. And considering what he's been asked to do by Randy Lerner, I, th- I think he's done a great job to keep them uh, sort of away from you know the true scrap uh, but a few more points of course and then you know they are safe you mentioned Grant Holt he did score at the weekend let's, yeah. uh, let's hear from him today's one of them days and that's just football and that's just the way it is and you've just got to get on with it and, and, and keep moving on to the next one and, and to keep trying to get, make it right well I think we always need results I think we, we knew for a long while we, we've been trying to achieve a goal and, and to get as high as we are we, we've disappointed the, last, the way the results have gone the last few weeks and we're just looking forward to the ones that are left and, and, and doing the right things and, and if we keep performing at that levels and keep doing things right the way we are on the football pitch and creating chances we'll be fine Christian Benteke out for six months so we talked about J-Rod didn't we earlier yeah. on I mean it's such a blow for him as well misses the World Cup probably would have started for Belgium yeah he would uh, never nice for a player you know to miss such a massive tournament you know you never know when you'll be in good form enough uh, so yeah, you know, to have two serious injuries like that to two uh, young, very promising players is a real blow. Not not only to the national teams, but of course to the clubs, and more importantly to the players. You know, having a big injury like that can really set you back in your career. Dropping below Fulham into 19th place are Cardiff, who went down to a really damaging 3-0 home defeat at the hands of fellow strugglers Crystal Palace. And the Bluebirds manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer knows they now have it all to do to stay up. You've got to be full of fight. It's been it's been a tough season for the club, everyone involved, and I think that showed towards the end of the game. We ran out of ideas. It was a half-empty stadium towards the end and it's been a very uh, up-and-down season for everyone involved. We've got to turn every stone to to produce a miracle because that's what we have to do if we're to stay up uh, in the Barclays Premier League. uh, We've got to produce a miracle and that's... uh, that's my job now and the players uh, all together. We've got to stick together and book up the ideas. Five defeats in their last seven is not survival form. Five games left, Southampton away, Stoke at home, Sunderland away, Newcastle away, Chelsea at home. They've probably got to win four of them, haven't they, Effin? I mean, do you put them in the Sunderland category now? Yes, I do. Nothing to do with tactics or determination, desire for any of the players. You know, they just don't have the quality. I don't see them getting probably three wins required. Uh, not only that, you know, you have to hope that the others above you are going to uh, lose more points than you. And uh, that's that's possible. But, you know, can you do your job first? And they're leaving it awfully late. And as I said, you know, bottom three, I think, you know, uh, more or less down. Fulham, you know, their lifeline is, I think, is out the weekend. Really, I do. In contrast, Palace have hit form at just the right time, haven't they? Recording back-to-back wins to lift them to 14th, seven points clear of danger. And Tony Pulis has been delighted with the recent consistency shown by his players. We've been banging on about that all week, about putting a consistent run together and not taking your foot off the pedal. And, and you know, as I said afterwards to him, you know, that's the really pleasing thing is that after we played so well against Chelsea we followed it up with another decent performance you know when I took over the football club they, they were conceding lots of goals so it was very very important that we um, we put that right and give us a chance and um, early stages we had to stay in games until we got the system and everything up and running we had to stay in games and staying in games is you have to get clean sheets and that's what we've done Shows the value of experience. I mean, you've got Solskjaer at one end of it, haven't you? And, and Pulis at the other. 20 Barclays Premier League matches in charge, F, and 27 points 
and he's conceded only 18. It's incredible from him. He's arguably manager of the year. Great turnaround. Um, a man who knows what he wants and knows uh, how to get it, the players required, but he's shown just how uh, versatile he is in terms of being able to transform a group of players who weren't able to defend properly. We're conceding lots of goals. They're still not scoring that many goals, but as he said, the bedrock of, of any successful side is to keep enough clean sheets, and, and they've done that time and time again. Not, not only against teams around them, against some of the better sides. Held on against Chelsea. So he's done a remarkable job on manager of the year. Yeah, you're right, along with uh, Martinez and Brendan Rodgers, if you know those teams stay where they are. Pick any one of those three for me. Uh, Steve Bruce might have a shout of it as well, because while Cardiff's position in the league is in danger, Hull City moved a huge step closer to securing their top flight status after a 1-0 win over Swansea City at the KC Stadium. But Bruce still doesn't think his side is safe. We haven't mathematically done it yet. Could it be one of them horrible seasons where you need 40 points to stay up? Certainly the team's at the bottom, there's nobody adrift, is there? Everybody's got a chance. Fulham now have all of a sudden won away from home. And when you look at the home games, they're thinking, you know, with teams in and around us, could they have a miraculous escape? Who knows, all still all to play for. But we've made huge strides today because we've beaten a team around us again at home, like we did against West Brom, and give ourselves a bit of breathing space. So what do you make of Hull and Swansea? Hull are safe, aren't they? 36 points, but rather like Villa. Are Swansea one of those sides that are just starting to sink like a stone? Yeah, they are. Uh, but firstly to Hull, any side that has a man in charge who prides himself on the way the team defends and keeps clean sheets, has a good chance. Steve Bruce has done that throughout his managerial career. Never thought that they would go down. The signings of Jelovic and Shane Long, and they've done a business for them. So Hull OK for you. What about Swansea? Hull OK for me. Swansea, a little bit like, uh, possibly like West Brom and Norwich. You know, they could stay up by default, not really doing it themselves, if you like, but the others just can't quite get it together enough to bridge that gap. So I think they'll be just about safe as well. Well, we began the show speaking speaking about a Spaniard and one with Swansea connections, Roberto Martinez. And we'll finish our roundup with another. Juan Mata scored twice and assisted another as Manchester United won 4-0 at Newcastle. He played in the number 10 role. Both Wayne Rooney and Robin Van Persie were missing through injury. I really enjoy playing there, to be honest. That's what I, what I like to play, even if I play in the right side or in the left side. I always try to come inside and to play between the lines. Today I, I enjoy it on the pitch, uh, playing alongside uh, Shinji, Adnan when he came in, Nani, Chicha... So I think it was a, a great performance for every one of us. Well, I just tried to went over the wall. I trained normally twice a week, three times a week, to try to improve in free kicks, and today it was an important goal, the first one, and I'm very happy for it. He proved, uh, with a nice nod to Shinji Kagawa as well, yeah. what Manchester United fans have been saying since they signed him, that he's going to be better playing in that role. He was sensational, wasn't he? Good team to play right now. They want their Newcastle in free fall uh, this year, this calendar year. They've been very, very disappointing. Problem for um, United is that they've got three players who um, like to play similar role. Mata, Kagawa and Rooney. Rooney quite clearly is a first choice. Where does Mata fit in? He can't play wide. You know, that's not where he's most effective. Of, of course, he's a top-class player. David Moyes has got uh, some thinking to do, you know, exactly how he fits those guys into uh, the system he decides is going to be best at Old Trafford. That was a 10th away win for Manchester United, by the way. Best away record in the league, which is astonishing given the perception of their season. And as for Newcastle, uh, since they sold Johan Cabay to Paris Saint-Germain at the end of January, they've scored twice and conceded 17 at St. James's Park. Uh, they have just folded, haven't they? Yeah, and not being helped by the manager uh, getting into a scrap on a touchline <laughs> with a whole city player. You sell your most creative player, who's a goal scorer as well. You can't replace him. Um, so very difficult. Will there be money to spend? I doubt. In Newcastle, I think you've just got to be happy with where they are right now. I think Mike Ashley will be relatively pleased. Let's see what investment and what players may come in in the summer. I would suggest uh, not bringing in too many at once as they did in the last but one um, January transfer. Well, before we go, let's take a look at this weekend's Barclays Premier League fixtures. They all kick off at seven minutes past the hour in memory of the 25th anniversary of Hillsborough. That match was abandoned after seven minutes. Uh, we're both from that part of the world, Effen. 
and you know you can tell us how poignant that weekend is for Liverpool fans. Yeah, it is. Uh, of course, you know to remember, you know those who uh, lost their lives unfortunately at Hillsborough. It'll be a pretty, uh, it'll be a pretty sombre uh, atmosphere in and around uh, Anfield before the game, and uh, for right up until a few minutes before kickoff, everybody uh, will feel you know some kind of empathy you know towards those fans, and hopefully you know we get uh, we get a fantastic game which will be a fitting sort of tribute. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here, here to that. Uh, let's have a look at the fixtures uh, on Saturday at fifteen oh seven. All of these kickoffs, no early or late kickoffs on the day. Uh, Palace, Villa, Fulham, Norwich, Southampton, Cardiff, Stoke, Newcastle, Sunderland, Everton and West Brom, Tottenham. On Sunday the 13th, Liverpool, Man City and Swansea, Chelsea. Uh, on Tuesday the 15th, Arsenal, West Ham. On Wednesday the 16th, Everton, Palace, Man City, Sunderland. Yeah, I'm not even going to ask which of the fixtures stands out. It's pretty obvious uh, the big fixture of the weekend. But Manchester United and Hull don't play at all. City, Sunderland, Everton, Palace play twice. So there's an awful lot of movement possible in the table over those fixtures. Yeah, there is. Um, Fulham, Norwich is the, is the one really that a win either way could mean that Norwich are in it that third team to go down for me Fulham give themselves a lifeline as I said of course yeah you know the big one Liverpool Man City uh, I think Palace actually can go to Everton and, and get a point and I think with that you know that that may mean that they're more or less safe and Arsenal dare not lose on Tuesday against West Ham quite simple another defeat and an Everton win and uh, I think that, that it'll be Everton's there fourth place will be theirs for the taking dare I ask you for the biggie Liverpool City prediction oh Liverpool were fantastic for about 70 minutes at the City Manchester Stadium didn't quite have the energy and, and the extra player or two from the bench to really maintain it um, I'm going for them just to sneak it and what a story it would be if you're right we shall see that's just about all we have time for on this week's show before we go a reminder that you can win tickets to watch your club by our Barclays Twitter ticket competition all you have to do is tell us why you are football here are two recent winners Newcastle fan Ben McCartney tweeted I remember going to my first game when I was 13 and Alan Shearer scored twice and looked up at me in the Gallagate end and Man City fan Emma Dudley said I remember running around the playground singing Feed the Goat and He Will Score. A reference to Sean Goatra, of course. Hashtag you are football for all of those. Uh, my thanks to Efren Okoku for his company. Don't forget to have a go at this week's trivia teaser. Uh, Romelu Lukaku now has 13 league goals for Everton, but which former Toffees player has scored the highest number of goals in a single Barclays Premier League season? If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays Footy or post it onto the Barclays Football Facebook page and we'll reveal it on the site later in the week. We'll be back next week, of course we will, when we'll be looking back at another crucial set of fixtures at both the top and bottom of the table, including Fulham's home encounter with Norwich and what could prove to be the title decider between Liverpool and Manchester City at Anfield. Until then, thanks for your company. And from Efren Okoku and me, Dave Farah, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Barclays.